0: Sometimes there's a, a a vart that you find that's not just a vart, but it actually blows open an entire an entirely new understanding of the way we perceive relationships and ourselves. And such a vart is found in this week's parsha of Parshas where wherein Parakchav test pasaglamit the pasuk says, <laughs> Yaakov Avinu first takes Leah as a wife, as we know, and then shortly thereafter he takes Rachel as a wife. And the pasuk shows the difference in the way that he related to Rachel versus Leah. And it says that he loved Rachel more than Leah. Yaakov Rachel says, <laughs> And the pasuk continues, and then the next pasuk says, "Vayar Hashem kisnuo Leah. Hashem saw that Leia was sinuous. Leia was hated, and as a result of that, he um, he allowed Leia to be pregnant. Uh, and the psukim continue, and then the pasuk later says, additionally. Kishama Hashem Kisnua neichi that Leah thanks Hakadosh Baruch because he recognized that I was despised, that I was hated by my husband, and therefore he granted me the gift of children. And what's obviously very difficult with these pesukim is that the psukim seems to the Psukim seem to indicate that Yaakov hated Leah. But when we examine not even so carefully, when we just have a very superficial glance at the Pasuk that describes Yaakov's feelings for Leah, it never says that he hated Leah. It says that he just simply liked Rachel better than Leah. Dayev Games Rachel It says that he liked he loved Rachel. He didn't say he just loved Rachel, he loved Rachel and Leah but he loved Rachel more than Leah. And yet, automatically, the Pesach seems to segue into, oh, and Hashem saw that Leah was snua, Leah was hated. Where where, where did Hashem see that? And Leah herself said, Hashem saw that I was hated. That that, that didn't happen, though. And this is a very basic question that we should all have when we're reading these p'shokim, when we're learning this parsha, And... I didn't see anyone talk about it except for Ashwab. And Ashwab in his classic sefer Ma'in Beis Shoeva, he draws the obvious conclusion from these Psukkim. But it's not just the conclusion to understand these Psukim. I think it's a conclusion that really explains very deeply the human nature, human psychology and it has ramifications far beyond this parsha, but it really extends into every single element of our relationships and our lives. And so we're going to say Schwab's Vart, and then I'm going to just sort of elaborate on it and try to flesh out all of the various um, byproducts of this Vart and try to really understand how we can improve our own behavior in life and how to and how to be better people from it. Rivswab's conclusion from this obvious transition of the Pasuk from the fact that Yaakov simply loved Rachel more than Leia, and then the reaction, Leah, that she was hated, which Rivshwab also says is impossible to say that, Yaakov, that, that Yaakov Inu hated somebody how would he hate somebody? like You're not allowed to hate anybody. And their dinam, when it comes to your spouse, you're supposed to love your spouse, you're supposed to honor your spouse, respect your spouse. I don't think that Yaakov in any way would ignore those chazalim. Yaakov if you would have seen what was going on in his relationship with Leah, he probably was the greatest husband that anyone ever knew to Leah. So what does this mean that Leah felt hated? Zachter Schwab, that you must say, there's no way around this, you must say that if you have two people in front of you, you have two wives, and you love one of them more than the other. You love both. Make no mistake about it. I love both a and B. But if I love A more than I love B, then B will interpret that, will perceive that, will believe that you hate her. If you love somebody else more than you love her, that is tantamount to sinna in her mind. Not, not from Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu loved both of them. But the fact that Yaakov Avinu loved Rachel more than Leah, in Leah's mind, that translated into the fact that she didn't see it like, he loves me, but he loves Rachel better. No, 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 he hates me. So much so that after the says, I see that he hates Leah. Leah herself, he hates me. Because that's human psychology. Human nature, human psychology means... That if I see that you like somebody else better than me, that means that you don't like me. Not that you like me, but I'm second place. I get the silver medal. I get no medal. I have nothing. Klappe, you, me, we don't We don't have a relationship. We have a negative relationship because I see that you like somebody else better than me. That's a fantastic chiddish that Urshab says. That's not Sama chiddish. That's a fantastic chiddish. Because we're going to see now that this is very common, even for those people that don't have two wives, it's still very common in many, many elements of our daily living, how we're doing this ourselves to other people, and how we ourselves very often are sub- subjected to this type of playing favorites, preferential treatments and how that really very much shapes and forms our our experience throughout our life. So let's discuss first the local issue of marriage, um, which may not be pertinent to anyone in this room, maybe one or two people in this room today, um, but maybe people at any time anytime Uh, It is nageya to him, but more importantly, it's nageya to all of us in the future. So, it's very common when it comes to shalom bayis that there are difficulties, there are tensions when it comes to relationships in marriage. And the reason for that is because we have other interests, a man has other interests besides just his wife. He has interest in learning. He has interest in his business. He has friends. He has family members. He has parents. He has siblings. He has children. He has hobbies. He has, um, he likes maybe sports, etc. Women also, this is a for women also. Women also have other things besides for their spouse. They have classes that they like going to. They like they, they have friends that they like uh, spending time with. They have other interests. They, they like maybe following the news. They like uh, entertainment, music, whatever it is. Everybody has their own things besides for their immediate spouse. And that's fine. That's healthy. That's normal. The problem is that... Very often, what creates a tension in the relationship is that when a woman feels, or a man feels, for that matter, that their spouse has other interests that they enjoy or they like, or they prefer over them, then Rishwab's Bart immediately kicks in. We don't realize it. We no, my wife knows that I like her or that I love her. And, but she also understands that I like other things. I have friends. I have. Uh, I like uh, going uh, going to play ball. I like. I like uh, you know going on vacations with my with my friends. So that shouldn't encroach on our marriage. That shouldn't encroach on our relationship. She understands that she's one element in my life, and then I have other elements in my life, and I I love all of them. That's great. But Rav Schwab's Bart is saying something very fundamental. And that is that if you are loving or preferring the other interests that you have over your wife, that's a problem. Because in your wife's mind, or if the woman is listening to this, in the husband's mind, it's tantamount to an act of disloyalty, disliking Cina disrespecting because you have shown preferential treatment to something or somebody else over her or over him it's not just Millie I like both yeah I, I like spending time with you but I also like spending time with my friends I like uh, you know I like going out with you but I like going out with my friends I like spending uh, you know uh, a nice day with you but I also like watching football on Sundays and you have to understand that I like both, but if she feels that you like the watching football on Sunday better than you like her, that's not good, because that means, that translates in her mind as meaning that you hate her. It's a very big chiddish. And that's how Rav Schwab takes such a a strong, powerful lesson from these simple psukim that we might have even overlooked as we were being Mav but it's so powerful, it's so fundamental to human psychology. And it blows open the entire world of, of understanding relationships. Unless you are showing your spouse that he or she is the most important, most valuable person in the world to you, then you've got problems. If they know that you are A number one on their list and plus you have other interests but those other interests pale in comparison to to them that's okay but if they are led to believe even momentarily even briefly that you have a better time with other people, that you enjoy other people, you enjoy the other hobbies that you do more than them then that's like the Rachel equation that by showing preferential treatment by showing more love to a Rachel over a Leah, Leah interprets that as, as if you hate her. This is why when having two wives, Chazal, or the Torah really calls it uh, a tsara. Two wives in the Torah calls it tsara because they're nasus tzara zulazul. You have two wives... And they're always creating tension one for the other because they're always having this this tense equation of who does he like better? Does he like me better? Does he like her better? And this creates a lot of tsaras for everybody involved, for both the women, for the husband. And you don't need to have two wives in order to understand this because there are other tsaras in life that are at play in a marriage. And so it's very important always to make sure that your spouse understands that you are... that she or he is the number one priority. And then there are other things that I like doing. That's fine. Everybody's fine with you having friends and family and and interests and hobbies and sports and exercise. That's all fine as long as the spouse understands that you, that she... Is the number one priority that you are the that she is the best, she is the most beloved. Then it's fine. But if there's a question in their mind, then that creates a lot of tension in a marriage. That's the number one um, enemy of shalom bayis. This is very important. That when a husband and wife are married, they have to constantly under create that understanding that. I would rather spend time with you than anyone else. I'd rather go here than anywhere else I, I have no the other I yeah, I'm I'm doing other things, but that's not at all you can't even compare that's apples and oranges. It doesn't have any shaykhs to you. I you're number one and everything else is is secondary but or, or or much lower on the totem pole than you. But if there's a question, that's a problem. The Chazanish has a letter that he writes about a husband and a wife during Shana Rishayna and how there's a mitzvah to make each other happy. It's a longer letter. I'm just going to quote at the end of the letter what he writes. He says that it's very important to have a very open, transparent relationship with one's wife. <laughs> which basically means to say you have to show her that she's your number one priority. When you go out of the house, you should tell her, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to yeshiva or I'm going to the bakery or I'm going to do some shopping. Don't just walk out of the house dumb without explaining where you're going, without making her a part of your every action in life. Because if you do that, and this is my interpretation of what chazanish means, then you're basically relegating her to a lower stature in, in, in her understanding of your relationship. I wasn't important enough for him to tell me where he was going. I'm not part of his life. Obviously, he enjoys going somewhere. He's not telling me where. He has some other things that he's doing, and I'm not part of that. And when you come home, the cousin he says you have to tell her exactly where you were and discuss it and explain it, and, and 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 not hide anything, be transparent, because with that transparency, it becomes obvious that whatever you're doing, whatever wherever you're going in life, she's part of it, it's not that she's wondering if he's going alone to a chasna tonight because I have to do some work at home, you know, is he having a great time out there and he loves being away from home, no, it's he would bring me there. He would want me to be there, but I can't be there. So, this is. Uh, but but he. But I'm part of his life. He would definitely. He wants to include He wants to include me in everything because I'm the priority in his life. This is what the Chazanish is telling a newly married husband how to be ensuring that your shalom bayis is perfect, or as perfect as humanly possible, by making sure that everybody understands. The priority is one another. Everything else is secondary. Yeah, you have other things. You have to go to work. You have to go to school. You have to go to learn. You got That's fine. But the number one priority and the and and the openness and the love and the fondness has to be evident. And if it's questioned, and if it's like, does he really like something else more than me? If that comes into play, then that is not just well, okay, he loves me, but it's sinner. It's nothing short of, he doesn't like me. He doesn't want to spend time with me. He prefers other people than me. Or she prefers to spend time with her friends over me. This is a very fundamental insight that Schwab is telling us. And it's really true, not just in marriage, but it's true in every single relationship that we have. Let's go through a few of them, because it's very important. Whenever there's two people, that I, or two beings that I am relating to both, I have to make sure also that there's not a clear favorite. Even if I subconsciously do prefer one over another, I can't show that, because the Rav Bard is going to creep into that relationship. We see this very early on in the Torah. During Sheshism and there were two bodies, two Ma'ayres Gedailan. There was the sun and the moon, and they were—they used to be the same exact size. But the moon said, "Takrish a good taina. He wasn't. He didn't try. To, he wasn't trying to be gaivadik or mean. He just says that it's not appropriate that two kings should wear the same crown. In other words, there has to be somebody that's the boss. You can't have." you know, two equals. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to, them to be equal, but he said that, no, you can't have two equals. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu fine. You go. Go and and Go and reduce yourself. Meaning, he made the moon the smaller of the two bodies. And then, there's a Gemara that says, a Gemara in Kulin, that says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu felt bad that he did that. And he says, Hey, do you allow every reish chaydish we bring a chattas. That's how kedushbaruchu's chattas al shemiyat dias al because I diminished, I reduced the size of levana. I have to atone kaviyachol for that, for that, for that action that I did. Very schwer What does that mean? Hakadoshbaruchu needs to atone. he made two things equal and then he minimized one for a reason, and that's it. That's the end of the story. What does he have to atone for? And I think that the answer is, again, human using our human perception and understanding HaKadosh Baruch which is, by definition, a flawed analysis. But if we can understand it in our own personal way, what it means is that you have two things. You have a sun and a moon. You created them. You have a relationship with both of them. It's your job to maintain an equal footing for both. If you diminish one and keep the other its original size, then that's a wrong that was committed. You have to make sure that no matter what, when you have two things before you, you have to maintain some equal status. You can't have one feel slighted over the other. And if you do, then you have to bring a kathos. Because that's not a, a... You have to make sure that everybody feels loved And everybody feels appreciated. And that one should not feel less than the other. The moon felt slighted because it was taken and it was made smaller, khape the sun. That's a flaw in a relationship. That's not a flaw in the revenge. show But it, if we were to do that, that's a flaw in the way we are relating to other people that we deal with. Rav Shach was asked very often to be Sandik by uh, Brisson by, by, by so one time there were twin boys that were born and the father of these twins came to Rav Shach and asked Rav Shach if he would be the, the Sandik for one of them so surprisingly Rav Shach said no Either I'm going to be standing for both of them, or for none of them. So the father's a little surprised, you know, that's a little bit of, a, of an overreach. Like, I'm giving you a keyboard, you know, be happy with it, what, you have to have both? And he asks him, Shaf, he says, like, you know, why do you, why do you want both? Like, a, I'm giving you one, take one, that's it. So if Shaf says like this, he says, you know, I don't need either of them. I don't need the cupboard. Why am I asking now for both? Because what's going to happen? These kids are going to grow up, these two boys, and later in life they're going to speak to one another. And they're going to start like, and the, the one that had that I was the sonnet for is going to start shepherding the other one. You know, Rav was my Samnit. You had Mr. Goldstein. You know, from down the block. That nice old man, he's a great guy, but I had Rav and Rav Shach did not want that there should be this disparity in terms of the twins' relationship with one another. So he said, either all or nothing. That's how you have to treat people. When you have people in front of you, when you have two things in front of you, you have to try to make sure that they all feel equally loved, equally respected. Because if you're playing favorites with one over another, that's a wrong This is especially true, of course, when it comes to raising children. When it comes to raising children, you have, let's say you have two children, just to make things much easier, and each child needs love, deserves love, needs attention, and very often, I think we can all relate to this, a parent has, let's say, a favorite. Even if they don't really have a favorite, but sometimes there's just a natural um, closeness that a parent has with one child over another child. It's natural. Maybe one child you can learn better with. One child is maybe uh, looks like you more than the other child. One child is uh, more in, t- in tune with your, uh, you know, with your likes, with your, uh, with your hobbies. But there's one child that you're maybe playing favorites to, and the other child less so this creates tension in the relationship between the two children, between the, the, the less like child and the parent. The obvious m- example of this is from Yaisovat The Chazal tell us that because Yaakov Avino gave Yaisov and his Xenus Pasim a little bit extra silk. Just a little extra. It wasn't like a, you know, it was just a little uh, Mishkal... Um, Shte Milos, I think the Gemara says it was like a very very slight amount of extra silk extra colored silk that Yosef got in his tunic in his garment over the brothers so the brothers had this hatred, they threw him into the pit they sold him down to Mitzrayim we all went down to Mitzrayim as a, as a nation went down to Mitzrayim because of this one episode did Yatovinu hate the other children? is the He loved, just like he loved Rachel and Leah, he loved every single one of the Shiftei All the children were beloved to him. Practically equally. Probably mamish, mamish equally. But there was a microscopic preference to Yasef. He loved Yasef a little bit more than the other brothers. Or he showed preference a little bit more with that microscopic amount of silk that he gave him extra, the brothers and not say, okay, Tati loves all of us, but he happens to like Yosef a little better. He's, he's the Ben Zikunim, he's the No, 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 that's not how they saw it. They saw him as a threat to them and their relationship with Yathar Avinu. They saw him basically by Yer Hashem It was not just a, I like them, le- that I like Yosef a little more. He All they saw is that they he loved Yosef, and he didn't have much interest in the rest of them that's the way maybe it was interpreted and this is the way it is with all of us when we have children we have to make sure that every single child is felt that they're equally loved I don't have a preference between children and children often, I remember when I used to you know, walk with my father, I used to ask him like, who do you love better, come on, you like me best, right? And my father used to say, used to say, which finger do I like better? Which finger? Tell me which finger I like better on my hand. I knew he really liked me better, but, but the bottom line is that, you know, that's the way a parent at least is supposed to present to a child that I love you all equally. That doesn't mean to say that you're all carbon copies of each other and that I have to, whatever I do for one, I do for the other. Because I could play ball with one kid, and then I could listen to music with another kid, and I could I could take a walk with another kid, and I could go to a ball game with another kid. But every single child has to feel that they are equally loved in the eyes of their parent. And if you don't do that, and you play favorites, and it's clear to the other children that you like one over the other, then that's a very big problem. That's not just the problem that you like one more than the other. In their mind, you hate them. And it's true. I think we can all relate to this. I, 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 this is something that's um, not only Nageya children, but very often it's Nagaya with Talmidim. And Talmidim are like children, or they should be like children. Talmidim are like uh, Bonim. And I remember very clearly, and maybe this is uh, like group therapy for me, but I remember clearly when I was uh, when I was a kid. So I was in a class in uh, in my elementary school, and there was a boy in my class who the Rebbe loved. Rebbe loved. I think we all can to relate to this. Maybe maybe you were the actual boy that the Rebbe loved, or maybe you remember that there were you know another guy in class. But there's always sometimes a Rebbe is really not good at masking his who he feels, you know, is his favorite and it's understandable almost because, you know, there are certain boys that just, they really do their homeworks perfectly and they, uh, they raise their hand properly and they always have the right answer and they always just look a certain way and act a certain way but there was one kid that I remember like the Rebbe always loved and I, I remember how it bothered me a lot I didn't just say, uh, you know, Rebbe likes him better but he likes me also I, I felt like he didn't like me Number sure of Schwab coming to life. And it's a problem. A Rebbe has to make every single Talmud feel that they're equally loved. I love all my Talmudim equally. And if I'm not conveying that, then that's a very big concern in the Rebbe, because that means that Talmudim are walking around Yeshiva or they're leaving Yeshiva after that, and they feel that, you know, my Rebbe didn't really like me. And that's not true, but it's the Rebbe's fault if the Rebbe is not making every single Talmud feel like amazing and, and feel like that you know that he loves them and he loves them the best or, or equally to everybody else. Then it's a big problem because it's not just that there is a little bit of extra ava; it's sin on the eyes of the other talmidim. I was at an open house uh, a couple of weeks ago for one of my girls um, one of my girls is in eighth grade and she's uh you know we, were, we went to an open house for high school so um, so they they were speaking about how great their school is et cetera and, and so there was a uh, one of the things that they were that they were you know sort of bragging about about you know the accomplishments of their students in the school is that one of the students wrote an award-winning essay that was published in the New York Times, which was a big thing, and the um, and the essay was entitled "Does my mother love her smartphone more than me?" Now, I didn't read the actual essay. I, I tried to actually Google it to, to find it so I could you know see what they say at Klafy the Shmuz, but I I wasn't able to find it. But but the fa- you get I think the message from the from the title, and that is that. It's not just even other kids in the family that is a threat to a child. It's when you show a child that you have more interest in your smartphone over them. When your kid is trying to ask you something or have a schmooze with you or have a discussion with you and all you're doing the whole time is like looking at your stupid smartphone all all day and like never giving them the time, then what's the, what does that mean? It means, in their mind, exactly what the title indicates. Does my mother it doesn't say does my mother you know feel that the smartphone is more important? Does my mother love her smartphone more than me? It's a it's everything is a everything is a is a is a is, a, is an equation in a child's mind. If I see that you're spending more time with something else, with somebody, with something, with your smartphone, then that basically. Translates into my mind as that you love the smartphone more than me, and Mamela you hate me, because otherwise, if you really love me, then you would give me preferential treatment. You spend time with me, and so this is our job in life. Our job in life is to make sure that nobody feels that I hate them. I don't hate anybody. I love. Every, yeah, you love everybody, but you're not. But by definition, if you're showing preference to other people over the other person, that's like almost a form of abuse. If there is a an equal relationship, or there should be an equal relationship. If it's a child, two children, if it's if it's two talmidim, if it's a, a wife, and you're you know you're constantly on the cell phone and you're not giving your wife the attention that she needs, or the wife is on the cell phone, she's not giving her husband the attention. Whenever there's things at play, you have to make sure to show preference for that person in front of you. Because if you're not, then you're basically failing in your responsibilities in that relationship. Your Schwab ends with something that's, even if you couldn't relate to anything that I said today, because you're not married and you don't have kids... And, uh, you know, you don't have to tell me them. So basically the schmooze has been, you know, that's the Shalom. It's not. You gotta bookmark it and remember it for life. But I'll give you something that's very Nagea for all of us in this room. And this is how Rav Schwab really ends the VART. He says that this is very Nagea. He doesn't bring up all the things that I brought up. He was just bringing it to Nagea, Rafa, and Leia on this relationship. And then he says that it's true for all of us in a different way because we're all in a sense married to the Rabbeinah Sholem. We have a, a man-woman, a male-female relationship with the rabbi Sholem. There's supposed to be love, there's supposed to be a, a closeness, an intimacy, a, um, an interest between us and the rabbi Sholem. Dr. Schwab Sometimes, you know, there's look in the Torah that Hakim will uh, punish. Al my hatred, the, the people that hate me, I'm going to punish for many, many generations. So, you know, we think of that as people that are like really anti-God and, and people that are real, you know, venomous, anti, uh, anti-Hashem anti type of personalities. He says it doesn't have to be that way according to what, if my bard is true, says Roshwab, that to, that sinner is not that I hate somebody, but it's that I love somebody else more than that other being. He says now it, it really opens up the door to a large section of our population that might also in a sense be considered Sinai. Because he says ask yourself, do you love Serving Atarish Barfu more than you love doing the things that you love to do. If you love the Rabbi Shalom the most, if he's the most closest first closest being in the, in your world, and you wake up in the morning, my and you're jumping out of bed to serve him and to be with him and to, and to be close to him and to get, you know, tremendous alias and hasagas in 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 that's amazing. Then, then you love Akedat But if you show Akedat says Rambam, that you are, you prefer other things over him, that's a problem. That shows Akedat that Rahmanul Islam, we might not be people that are not Sinan. We might be Sinam of Akedat if we prefer other things over him. And we have to ask ourselves, you have to be petrified over this question because this is an existential question that we have every single day we have to put to ourselves. Do we really love serving more than anything else in the world? Every day we wake up in the morning we want to stay in bed because we want we like sleep. Do we like sleep more than than going to davening that's a question that we have to weigh every single morning most of the time Baruch Hashem, we jump out of bed but not always sometimes we like staying in bed sometimes instead of going to seder we like to uh, you know stay in our rooms and schmooze or go to a, a game or whatever I, you know somebody told me that they woke up very early on uh, I was in Eretz Yisrael but somebody told me that you know on Black Friday which was last week and all the malls are running huge sales. So somebody told me they, they woke up very early in the morning, like six o'clock in the morning, and they you know they Uber to uh, you know Roosevelt Field or something, and they got great deals. And I said, you know, that's a very dangerous thing you did. I said why? Uber is Satan. I said not Uber. I said because you're going to have to give a din the someday. You wake up every day late. Every day you wake up late for davening. You come to yeshiva. You roll in at nine thirty, and you know you davening in that room, and you know whatever you. And you think you you have your cheshvenis. You know I'm tired. I don't feel well. at this and that. But they're going to say, you know, how come on Black Friday you were suddenly able to get out of bed at six o'clock in the morning and and, 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 and run to Roosevelt Field and go shopping there? That you had that you had cheshit for. That you had kayach for. So what about all the rest of the days? What's the answer? The answer is yes. I like shopping. I like I like Ashmius. I like stuff more than I like the Rebbeinu island. I like the Rebbeinu most. I love the Rebbeinu one, But but I like stuff that I get more than him. I like going on vacations more than him. I like I like playing ball more than him. I like watching movies more than him. I like I like surfing the internet more than him. I like sending emails and 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 that's that's a scary thing because what you're basically saying, it's not that you love those things more than him, you love those things, and it might translate into <laughs> if this definition is accurate, and the Torah's definition is always accurate. There's a vart in Parshas Kisavai, a very similar vart. All the ta'yichachah of Kisavai, terrible things, the, the worst atrocities that man could ever fathom, Unleashed against Parashal. Why? What did we do wrong? So the pasuk says, famous pasuk, vajitas, lekaf, be because he didn't serve Hashem for happy. You, you served him, but you didn't serve him happy. But the pasuk says at the end of that pasuk that known quotes may rise So the simple definition of that pasuk is that. From an abundance of good, you had it so good. I gave you so much, dachnias. You had food and you had shelter and you had you had you had friends. You had family. You had health. You had you had everything good. Everything was. I gave you. I served you on a silver platter. Everything good, and you still didn't serve me the simcha of itsugleim. You didn't. You you weren't able to find inside of you that simcha to serve me happy. But some of the Mepharshim say that the Teich in that Pasuk is you weren't able to have the same happy, you certainly me maybe with happiness but it wasn't the same happiness as Kyle that you showed to other things everything else in life that you enjoy doing you did it with such a geschmack. When you had to wake up to go on a vacation, you woke up and it was with a, you know, you took a shower and you shaved and you, you're on that plane early in the morning and you were so excited to do that. You were so excited to go to, uh, you know, to the Super Bowl. You were so excited to, I don't know, to, you know, go shopping for your clothes or to... Things that you wanted to do, you did it with such a geschmack. And then look at the way you put on your talis and fill in, in the morning. Look at the way you, you took your lulav and asterisk on sukkahs. Look at the way you ate your matzahs on Bessahs. You did it okay, but it wasn't with that same brand, with that same enthusiasm, with that same geshmack. And, and we, we look at it like, okay, but I did it, and I did it okay, so what do you want from me? But from the rabbinic shalom's perspective, if we're... Uh, if we're if we have a, a, a close relationship, ki ish isha, I expect to be your number one priority. I want you to love doing things for me because you love me and you love me best. But if I see that you're loving other things, other beings more than me, it's not just that you're giving them preferential treatment, that you're playing favorites. It's, it's that it's like, ki ilu, you hate me. It's Lusainai. It's not, it's not a love anymore. It becomes a very big question on the existence of our very, very... The fiber of our relationship is that question. This is a vart from Rav Schwab that's like really a, I think it blows open life. It's not just a vart. It's, it's, it's life. It means that we have a, an obligation on ourselves in every facet of life. Let's say when we become Mir you know, we'll, we'll someday have a, have a business. And we'll have employees. I don't know if you've ever been an employee of somebody, but it's you want your boss to really like you. But very often what a boss does is that he likes other people, or at least he pretends to like other people better than you. And that way, it, 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 it sort of makes you nervous about your very position, so you have to work harder. And he uses leverage of one employee over another employee. This is known in business. This is how people operate. There's actually a word for it. It's called triangulation. You basically use pressure against another person by implying that that they're not as good as somebody else in the, in the, in the, in the firm. And, and they're on the fast track and you're not. And therefore that makes each employee try harder. And like, but it's, there's a, an absurdity to that. Everyone should feel comfortable. Everyone should feel that they're equally liked. There shouldn't be a preferential treatment that's given in life. There shouldn't be a preferential treatment between between Talmudim and Yeshiva, between your roommates. You have two roommates? Treat them equally. Don't say, you know, don't make it out like one is my, is my bestie and the other one is like L'Adam. Every single person that you're dealing with, when you're dealing with relationships, you have to make sure that everybody feels equal. You're in yeshiva, you have a chavr in yeshiva. Make sure that everybody feels that you like them equally. Don't ignore other people. Don't have a passive-aggressive type of relationship with other people. Make them feel, you know, that they're not as beloved and that you like other people better. That's not, it's not fair, it's not nice, it's not, it's not, it's not what the Torah expects. This is Yisait Shab Yisaitis. This is been Adem Khaber 101. And when you have people around you, you have to make everybody feel equally important, equally beloved. Had Yaakov Avinu done that with Yasef and the Shvatim, had he not given that little, we wouldn't be in Mitzrayim, we'd probably, you know, there'd be a Beis HaMikdash, and Yerushalayim, we'd all be there. These are little things that are, that are, are very, very, have far-reaching effects. Children, if you're not treating them like with as much love as you're treating other siblings, they go through a life of therapy. They have to go literally to therapy the rest the rest of their life to try to come to terms with why my parents didn't give me that same love as they gave Chaim. It's it's an amazing thing. You don't see that as a parent, but that's that's the reality of a child. That's the reality of a Talmud. That's the reality of a wife of a husband. And we feel it ourselves, I think, on the receiving end of life, when we're young, when we're Talmudim, when, we when we are children. We feel it very, and we're, we feel it. And as we're growing up, and, and you're at a stage that you're sort of transitioning from the receiver to the giver, you're going from being the child to being the parent in Mitzvah Shem you're going from you you're from being the single person to being a, a husband of Mirza Shem soon, and you know, and doing that with employees and with people around you, this var from Rav Schwab is foundational, and the, the better that we're at it, it's 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 a struggle, it's it's a challenge because. You know, as a parent, I can tell you that I really do love all my children equally, but in different ways, and, and sometimes it's very important to show each child individually how, and to say to them that you know, how much you love them, but sometimes it's not good enough. Sometimes they just still feel that there's somebody else that you like better. And that's your job, to make sure that they never have to show them feel that way. In yeshiva, also, that's it's a challenge because you know there are naturally sometimes people that show up to more things and are you know and are, are more, but that's the challenge of rebbe. Once a, ch- a buffer comes into yeshiva, it's the it's the absolute obligation of the rebbe and the job of the rebbe to make sure that everybody feels equally loved and equally welcome. And this is something that if we learn this now. And early on, then our marriages and Mirt Hashem will flourish, and our relationships will flourish. Our children will be happy and normal and content and feel good about themselves because they know that, you know, my father and my mother loves me, and there's no—they don't love anyone else in the world more than me. And my Rebbe loves me also, and my and my and my spouse loves me, and I'm number one. But if ever Chas v'Shalom, there's other. Things at play, whether it's a human being at play, or it's a smartphone at play, or some um, some hobby that you have, and they feel that you are not loving them as much as that other thing. The Torah tells us this week, by Hashem, he snu'alea. Leah felt hated because she saw that Yaakov pre- just merely preferred Rachel over her. It translates into a sinner. It's not just a, It's not a little benign issue, it's a major issue when a person feels sinner from another person. We should all work on this, we should absorb it, it takes a little time to understand. I've been working on this piece of Rishwab for years. Years. When I saw this piece from Rishwab, it was probably 15 years ago, and it made such a profound impact on me then, and I have said it over in Shalom Bayez Vaden, and I never said it, I don't think, in a shmooz, but I've been working on it. I've been trying to really come to... It's a very deep yisayi. I'm saying it like a davar pasha, but it's really deep. And it's real. And it's something that... It's nageya to us every single day. Whether we realize it or not, every human relationship that we have, this is very much on the forefront, on the front burner. And the more that we're cognizant and we remember the Svarad and we tell it over to other people and we remind other people about it and we remind ourselves about it, the greater our life will be. The greater our families, our work environments, our rooms, our yeshiva, our, our marriage, our everything is going to be great because I know how important it is to give every single person that I come into contact with that feeling that they are a number one to me. If they feel that they're B2, you might think, okay, you're a tzaddik. You meet, he, at least you're, he's in your... No, no, no. You're not a tzaddik. Because you're making him feel less than somebody else. Making somebody feel less than somebody else, it's probably better that you have zero relationship with him than you have that semi-relationship with him. You're not doing a chesed to somebody by making them feel like, okay, you're in my favor, but you're not my bestie. That's a, that's a, that's a terrible avro. Because that person doesn't feel, okay, Bar Hashem, he likes me, but... That's not the way it works in human mind. The human mind translates that. B equals Z. B equals Z. There's A or there's nothing. And so it's our job to go and make every single person in the, that we touch in life, that we come in contact with, that we deal with, make them feel like they are everything to us. Don't ignore anybody. Don't give people short shrift. You're speaking to somebody. You take him. You look at him in the eyes, and you and you give him everything that you have. shas meisel. Give him your full attention. And sometimes this is very nagaya. It's just a, I think it's a really good example. Before Hassan and get married, so I, I very often give them uh, like what's called the chassan shmuz. And then they discuss in general things, and then the marriage itself, the the wedding, different things in the wedding. But one thing that I try to really impress upon the chasim is that you're dancing in the in the circle. You know, let's say the first dance, and so you you know first you dance with with parents, with in laws, with uh, with siblings, and then rabayim and then the friends come in a lot of times when you're dancing one on one with your friends you're basically you know you you have an obligation you want to dance with all your friends you have like 50 friends let's say in the circle around you and while you're dancing with every friend you're looking over the guy that you're dancing shoulder looking who the next carbon is to bring into the into the circle to dance with oh, my roommates there and my the shotgun is there and the my chabrusa is there and this. You know, and you're, but basically when you're dancing with that friend, you're not making eye contact with them, you're not saying anything personal to them, you're just basically, you're using them like a rag doll, and then you like throw them while you get the next rag doll in. When you're dancing with somebody, they came to your chastah, they're your guests, they're your, you have to be mechavidim. And you have to look them in the eye while you're dancing with them, give them a smile, say thank you for coming, or whatever you want to tell them, but make them, it could be three seconds, but make them feel that at that moment, they are the only thing that you have on your mind. You're the chassan; You have a lot on your mind, but make them feel for three seconds of your time that it was meaningful for you to have come to my simcha and I appreciate it. And then you go to your next friend do the same exact thing. But what happens very often is, and it happens to me, so I'm dancing with a chasim or a friend or whatever, and they have zero, like, focus on me. They're just like looking at the next guy, at the, you know, who else did I not dance with? Like, that's not a mitzvah, that's like an Aveira. Like, what do you, you make me feel like garbage. And there's a dance at a chasna and there's a dance of life. And the dance of life is, are you spending meaningful time with everybody that you're coming into contact with or are you like giving them short trip and like ignoring them and looking over the proverbial shoulder to see who else is in the room that maybe is better serving me if I, if I spend my time now with them. So I don't know if I should sit next to this guy tonight on Friday night because I could maybe sit with cooler guys at the next table, or you know, or or um, whatever. You get my you get the picture. Every single person that you're coming into contact with, it doesn't matter whether it's an employee, it doesn't matter if it's a custodial staff person, or or a rebbe, or a, or a friend, or a sibling, or a, or a child or an old person, you have to make sure that they understand that right now they are a number one. They are the top priority in your life. When you're speaking to your parents, speak to them with your whole heart. Don't like, a lot of times I find myself doing this also, you know, you speak on the phone with somebody and you're like, while you're on the phone you think you're doing a mitzvah of like speaking to somebody and then but you're really your attention is elsewhere. You're like, you know, you're you're looking at the computer, you're looking at the news, you're looking at you think you can multitask, but they know that you're multitasking when you're doing that. People know when you're giving them their full your full attention when you're not. And when you're not giving them the full attention, they feel like you're 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 dissing them. You're not you're not into them, you're ignoring them. And when you're ignoring them, then they feel snoo. Because you're obviously giving preference to something else and if you're giving preference to something else instead of me that's sinner. it's an amazing thing and it's so true, I think we can all relate to it on some level I don't think anyone could deny that when you feel that somebody likes somebody else better then that hurts we might not call it sin we might call it something else but it, it hurts, it stings and so we don't want to make anyone hurt we don't want to hurt anybody else if we want to really be the human beings that the Rav wants us to be, we have to make sure, and it's a hard job, but we make sure that whoever we're dealing with knows that we really like them a lot. And we don't show, at least not in front of other people, that we prefer other people over them. This is a Yusait Shab Yusait is the Aleph phase of life, And this is a art that we find straight from the parasha, ripped from the headlines, that's really so relevant on a daily basis and can literally change the entire complexion, the Mitzah Hashem of our life, the type. Have a good chance.